Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. Uh, another good week, Derek. What's up with you? Oh, you know, same old stuff. But uh, one thing I do have that's kind of interesting is, uh, well, I've actually been avoiding Kickstarter because it, I waste too much money. My wife doesn't like it. You have a problem. <laughs> but if I, for the first time in like two months, I went on, uh, three months? I went on Kickstarter and I was just perusing around today and I saw... And it's a, it's an old Kickstarter. It's a closed out in, in, uh, first of June. So you can't buy anything. Well, I, I just imagine it's going to come to market at some point. That's usually what Kickstarter is, right? People get stuff on there, make the, get the product made and then they sell it on the, on the general market. Yeah. But and, you buy it like right now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. So I saw this solar cooking thing. So it's a, it's a parabolic dome mirrored parabolic within the center of the in the center of the par- parabolic bowl thing is is you is a cooking surface or a platform that you can put your frying pans on and stuff apparently you can get like a you can put whatever you cook on a pot a, a hot plate whatever not a hot plate but you know a grill or stuff whatever. for your home like yeah that stuff you put on the stove so you put that in the middle of this thing and and you can get it up to searing temperature for like a steak in like 10 minutes. This thing is like equivalent of 600 watts of cooking power. Really? Right from the sun. So How many did you buy? I didn't buy any. You sure? <laughs> yes. I limit myself. This <laughs> I don't know, dude. You're an addict. <laughs> I could have got it for 150 though. You could have got one for 150. Yeah. But you didn't. I didn't. You're going to wait till it goes up. <laughs> yes. Wait till it hits the market for 500. Then I'll buy it. <laughs> I'll buy five. I'll buy five. <laughs> but I just thought this was neat. It's a, it's a kind of geared towards the bomb, zombie apocalypse. It's a, you know, when source of cooking fuel are gone and, or, you know, if you uh, are, have a uh, off the grid kind of cooking thing or mm-hmm. whatever, or you're tripping, it's, it's kind of heavy for tripping. So it's, uh, what is it? Weighs 10 pounds. It comes in a package that's about two foot long. So it comes in a backpack type, type case, but uh, it sets up in about five minutes and you can cook on it just from the sun. So you so, need the sun though. Yes. So you can't cook on it at night. Or a cloudy day. <laughs> or a cloudy day. Exactly. So when it's nice, great beach weather. So this yeah. is something you could take to the beach to do uh, barbecue or something, yeah. like burgers or something. Exactly. Yeah. Cook up the dogs for the kids. Or or locations where you can't have uh, fires or something. Like let's say you're you're... You, you do have a nice day and you're in a campground and the fire risk is high and they say, no open sources of flames. It's like, well, I have a solar cooker, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. this would be good for um, people that live in apartment buildings. Yes. And often people in apartment buildings with balconies, you're not allowed to have a barbecue out there because it's a fire risk, right? You just got to hope that the sun shines yeah. on your balcony. Yeah. I can only cook supper in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who wants steak for breakfast again? <laughs> Third time this week. <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's, it is, it's an interesting thing. And uh, so I, I just, it's one of those things, like I'm always looking at new methods of cooking or whatever that's easier. And, yeah. and unfortunately, every time I do find something that's neat or new or whatever, it's, I always go back to my white gas stove because yeah. it's reliable, right? Yeah. White gas and, and you know, you bring a, a liter, it, mine holds like 500 mils and I carry a one liter spare bottle and that does me for like a week. Like any white gas cook stove, unless you're having a corn boil, it's going to last a long time. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff that, you know, if you're looking like on a backcountry trip, if you're looking to, uh, you know, do a fire for the evening, most times you're starting that for dinner. Yes. You cook your dinner on the, on the, over the campfire. Yeah. And then yeah. you just keep the campfire going for the exactly. evening. So you, yeah, you really save. I think boiling water in the mornings is pretty much all I use a, a stove yeah, for. Yeah, for right? coffee and yeah. 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 Or, or uh, boiling a pot of something for, uh, with dinner mm-hmm. sort of thing. But, uh, so this is basically like a parabolic magnifying glass. Exactly. It's, it's a magnifying glass and it, and it, the light, it's just like one of those, uh, solar furnace things that you, uh, you know, I think there was a James Bond movie with that in it or whatever, you know what I mean? Anyways, uh, so. Oh, the solstice one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, like ideally though, what this comes down to, and it right in, fits right in my wheelhouse, it's like when the zombie apocalypse comes, this is a really good source of cooking because you're not going to have to rely on some uh, fuel source to cook. 
But you are going to have to rely on what are you cooking? Well, yeah. Well, zombie. Yeah, I, well, no, you can't eat zombies. Says who? You just eat other surviving humans. Hmm. I don't know. Poutine in a can. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mean cook French people? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Put some gravy on that French person. Uh, yeah, that's kind of a cool, uh, cool thing. But yeah, I, I think that would be more of a car camping or yes, um, yes, yeah. I, I think honestly, though, if I saw somebody at a campground cooking with this, I'd look at them like, "What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at me! I can cook on a bowl made of mirrors." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is interesting, though, right? Oh, it's definitely so interesting. So we're, we're but... heading in the direction, and like people are coming up with new ideas and stuff. And you know, you, it kind of also makes you think, like, what's gonna, what are people gonna come up with in the next five years or ten years? Like, with, there's the innovations for the outdoors industry and for this type of thing is is just jumping leaps and bounds, right? It's, well, it's definitely a renewable energy type cooker, yes. right? Yeah. Because it's all, it's all works on the, the rays of the sun. Absolutely. So you're not wasting gas or firewood or anything yeah. like that. So, yeah, that is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, I won't be getting one. But I bet <laughs> you will be because it's on Kickstarter. <laughs> well, it's too late now. It's uh, The Kickstarter's closed out. doesn't stop you. <laughs> you probably got some back deal going with these yeah. guys. Backdoor <laughs> deal. Got to get me one of these. Well, I, on the other hand, <laughs> not on Kickstarter... Do you tell? Um, well, you know, we've been looking at uh, tents, yeah. um, you know, to do some... I, I need a new tent for for canoe uh, tripping. You know, uh, I got my, my Spitfire Solo, which is for me. I love that tent. But to bring anybody, the, the one I had is... It's outdated. It's old. It's heavy. It's it's uh, got a couple tears in it. It's not as waterproof as it should be and whatnot. So I need a lighter, better, newer... We can rebuild it. Six million dollar man sort of tent. Yeah. Um, so I've been looking all over the place at, at those, and I think I've narrowed. Unfortunately, or, or not fortunately, unfortunately, fortunately, or whatever, I've narrowed it down to three Eureka models right now. The, oh yeah. Yeah, and you know what? Like they say, for two people, you know, if, if it's only for two people, because that's what I want a new tent. So when I when Trace and I start doing our canoe tripping um, later in the year, then I've got something, right? Yeah. Um, but they say for two people. But yeah, if you're munchkins or, you know, you're five foot nothing yeah, and have no gear, whatever. But I mean, I'm six one, so I always go for the three, the three man, because that way, you know what, two people sleep comfortably. You're not right on top of each other. You can put some gear in there with you, that sort yeah. of thing. Not worry about rolling over on it, whatever. Uh, so yeah, I was looking at the El Capitan three, the Midori three or the Terran three, all from Eureka. I like them because there's the extra room for just more than just two people, mm -hmm. right? So even two people in the dog, even, you know, like we bring uh, bring the dog uh, canoe in. Um, there's two doors. The one I've got now has one door. So if the person on the window side wants to get out, they got to crawl over the person yeah. on the door side, which... Yeah. It's nice having the door on each side. And if you've ever had a young kid... In there with you, and they crawl over because they have to go pee in the middle of the night. Yeah, <laughs> and they crawl over you. They don't realize there's things under yeah. that sleeping bag. Areas that could be damaged. <laughs> Tender bits. <laughs> um, and there's two vestibules, so you know what you're not having to bring your your shoes into the tent. Yes, right, or a water bottle. That's extra gear, and you can stick it outside. Like mine right now, I don't have a vestibule, and that's the one thing over the time um, I've been tripping is. I don't know why I never got tents with vestibules. Yeah. They're so handy. My my Spitfire has a small one, right? Which is cool. But um, the other one, the big one doesn't. And so that's why I'm sort of looking at those ones. But it got me to thinking about tents. And have you ever had that thought that you just hate bringing a tent? Yeah. On a trip? You know, I know a couple people, like there's a guy that... Um, uh, David Sullivan, he, I've, I've gone with him and he's like just slept in his, in his sleeping bag out under a tarp. Under the tarp, yeah. I, I just can't do that. Well, you know, I mean, you start looking at it and you, you especially if you're doing a trip, yeah. not just a base camp and then going out for the days, 
you got to get to the camp. You got to set it up. You got to put everything into it. You got to take everything out. You got to fold it up. You got to fit it back in that little bag. Yeah. Then when you end of the day, you got to set it up, put everything in it, take and, everything out of it. And if it rained. Roll it back up. And if it rained, you're packing a wet tent. You're packing a wet tent or setting up in a wet. Yeah. Right? That sort of yeah. thing. But you know what? It's, I, I, I wish I was the type of person that could do that, but I'm not. Even even though there's not much protection with a tent, it for, in my mind, it keeps the... Uh, it's a peace of mind. I don't want to wake up in the morning with a raccoon sleeping with me or something, right? Well, why not? <laughs> hey, little buddy. You come on over here, stay warm. But, but honestly, the tents don't really afford that much protection, but it's the mental protection. Well, the, and it's course, a barrier between you. You're hiding from the bear. Exactly. You can't see the me. The bear can't get can me in here. He can smell me, but he can't <laughs> see me. But really, mostly, it's 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 partially that is the mental aspect of the safety yeah. or the pseudo safety. But it's also the bugs. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I've slept in a canoe. You know, so just launched uh, latched two ends down, and then just slept in the bottom of a canoe. Uh, overturned above you. In the water. Oh, you were in. Oh. I was in the canoe in the water. Oh. Right? So I anchored both ends. Yeah. So it, it rocked a bit. Yeah. But it wasn't drifting across the lake. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, you need to get up and go pee in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'd be interesting. Yeah. So you um, were laying underneath the seats. Well, uh, underneath the uh, the thwart. Yeah. Uh, the, sorry. The Yeah, the thwart the and uh, yolk the yoke. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um, I've slept in a sleeping bag by the fire. With nothing, but I mean, like it's a mummy bag, so slept or passed out. Slept. Yeah, <laughs> it was an actual slept. Um, you know, so the mummy bag you pull up and around, so you know, you, yeah. you very have you basically your nose sticking out, uh, so you didn't have to really worry about bugs. Now I had another guy that was on the other side, and he had mice running in and out of his bag because he had cookies or something in his yeah. pockets, right? <laughs> like he didn't have a bear running in and out of the bag. Um, and I have even well when we did the Brent Run. Yeah. Uh, PFD for oh, a yeah, pillow you guys and just, just yeah. a jacket. Because you guys didn't even bring a tent. No, we you didn't bring guys, anything. Like, it was super fast and super yeah. low gear. And, yeah. yeah. So I just threw the, P, the the life jacket on the ground, put my head on it, put my jacket over top of me like a blanket and yeah. out I went for a few hours, right? Um, but it gets you thinking about these people that do the canoe and tarp. Yeah. Thing, right? And and that was, that's what the Voyagers used to do, right? They mm-hmm. or you know, like they would just have a can piece of sheet of canvas and the giant Voyager canoe, canoe would yeah. lean on its edge and and everybody would have their heads underneath it or they'd be off under a tree sleeping or something, right? Yeah. So I mean that's that's a pretty easy thing to do. Um now, the one I was, I was looking at uh yeah, you know, the the big it's not so much the bugs that, that would bother me doing. Yeah. It's the weather, the rain. Yeah. Like if you have, I, I've seen two ways to set it up. Like I've seen people doing the setup where the canoe's on its side and the tarp yeah. goes over the one end. Like one end of the tarp is around the canoe. Mm-hmm. The other end comes straight out and down. So it's sloped yeah. and you sleep under it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Rain comes down, whatever. Uh, if it blows, that sort of thing. But then I've seen them where it's over the, the canoe. Yeah. But then comes up. So you got two standing up paddles. Okay. On it. So any wind. What if the wind and the rain's coming in? Yeah. You're getting soaked. How do you stop that? How many times have you woken up during a rainstorm in your tent and the floor felt funny? So you patted the floor with your hand. It's like, spluck, spluck, spluck. The water didn't come through the floor. My, the floor of my tent is really good. So it doesn't leak. But I'm sitting in like an inch or two of water that's underneath the tent. Under the tent. Yeah. So if you're just under a tarp. Your sleeping bag is soaked. soaked. Yeah. How do you stop that? Well, I mean, you'd have to pre-plan your location. You'd have to plan to be on a, a hummock, a, a raised little hill area or... on sand. Mm-hmm. On sand would be good. Sleep on a hmm. beach. Because honestly, that is the only thing stopping me from bring from not bringing a tent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, is there a double negative in there? <laughs> You know, like I'm thinking like, yeah, I could do this, the tarp, you know, yeah, just flip your canoe over, put the tarp up yeah. and away you go and you're, you're under the tarp all night. Right. Um, but if the rain's coming. Yes. Yeah. See, that would, that would make me nervous too, because imagine if you, uh, you decided to go all, like, 
hopefully you brought a big enough tarp, but if you decided to go ultralight, not bring a tent, and let's say you, you got some wicked rain and wind. Nice thunder and, lightning yeah, storm. Yeah, so then your gear gets wet, and who cares if you got a tarp if all your gear's wet? Like, it's... The the tent is that safety thing, right? It's it helps. It's a place. Keep you yeah, out. I mean, if if you've got a tarp up, then that's fine. But if you have that tent, yeah, then you can get into that tent out of the rain. You can get in that tent, try, try jump into some dry clothes mm-hmm. and whatnot. You know, because honestly, I'm not that tough a guy. I, <laughs> 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 I I would be so miserable if my gear got wet, and my clothes are wet, and I didn't have a tent to get out of the rain in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, mind you, I've been on uh, some like w- trips where the thunder and lightning just start coming down. Yeah. And uh, we've hit portages and put the canoe up between a couple of branches. Yeah. And use it as a shelter. And just hide under the canoe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you just hide under the canoe. But um, so. Are, I canoes, some... are canoes impervious to lightning? Probably, eh? I guess if they're wood, right? I think. <laughs> <laughs> I did did a little look up um, on setting up a tarp in a canoe shelter. Yeah. And this is what uh, what they said, is the first step is to find a level spot and flip the canoe over. The biggest decision you're going to have is whether to face the canoe opening towards the campfire or the lake. Yeah. Do you want a, the warmth from the campfire or do you want to see a nice... How much warmth are you going to get from the campfire? Yeah. Like, honestly. Yeah, so you're planning, is the last visuals you have as you fall asleep, uh, the campfire, which you really shouldn't leave running when you go to sleep anyways. Or the lake. Or the lake when you wake up first thing in the morning yeah. and the sun rises. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd be aiming at the lake, I guess. Um, you <clears throat> get a couple of forked sticks, cut a couple of forked sticks, and you stick them under the the gunnels on the one side to prop that canoe up a little bit more. Just so it doesn't tip over on you. Yeah, and right. So, yeah, and you can, you can put it up higher a bit, so there's two ends in the... And the, the fork part under the gunnels to yeah. keep it keep it up higher. You drop the back end of the tarp or your cover, whatever you use in canvas or whatever. I'm just saying blue poly tarp, right? Because that's yeah. what everybody brings. Over the canoe and you mount it to the ground with pegs of some sort, rocks, logs, yeah. whatever. So it's not coming over. The You know, it's, it's not coming out. You take your two paddles... And you lay them against the canoe straight out yeah, towards whatever direction you're facing. Okay. And then lay the, they say get a, you can either just lay them straight on the ground, <clears throat> like the paddle, the, the blade on one end on the ground, the other end up on the gunnels of the canoe. Okay. Right? So lay, as if you were making a lean-to. Mm-hmm. And then you just lay the tarp over top the paddles. Or you can get a couple of more, two more fork sticks and the blade part that's on the ground, yeah, put them up higher, yeah, because that'll make more room. But they have to be the fork sticks have to be lower than the where the tarp comes over the canoe, okay, yep. so that it's sloped. Yeah, and then <clears throat> where it comes off the end of the paddles, you then peg that to the ground with rocks, logs, yeah. tent poles, whatever, and you've got your your shelter. Yep. Really easy, simple shelter to make. Mm-hmm. Lightweight. There's no tent pegs and all that. It's using everything you're bringing anyway. Mm-hmm. Canoe, paddles, uh, or sorry, uh, no tent poles, I should say. Um, but you can, yeah, you use tent pegs or you can just use rocks, logs, whatever. Yeah. So it is quick. It's easy. It's uh, lightweight because you're not carrying all the extra. Yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, how heavy is a tent these days? Yeah, they're getting pretty ultralight. There, there. It's, it's not like the old days. Like you know, some of the early tents. You know, you're talking ten or fifteen pounds. Now, you're talking like a, a couple pounds, like the weight of a hammock type thing, right? So yeah, and the if if you're looking to sleep under that, then you might as well just put a tarp up and hang a hammock under it. Just a regular yeah. five dollar hammock you get from exactly the local hardware store. Yeah. You know, you're still under a hammock or under a, a tarp. Yeah, I've been on trips where the guys have done that. One, mm-hmm. one of the actually, he didn't even put a tarp over himself. He just he had a normal hammock and uh, and he slept in that. He just the hammock was big enough that it folded over him, so it just crisscrossed over. So he was actually cocooned. 
Right. So we didn't, you know, like do or anything didn't go on him. But he did say it was it was chilly because in in a hammock, like the breeze just goes well, especially right spring or fall, right? Yeah, the wind just goes yeah. right underneath you, so it takes all your heat away unless you have a decent sleeping bag or some kind of insulating layer or thermal rest inside your hammock or whatever, right? Yeah, if you got all that, then that's that's just great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I can't say. Like I say, the rain would be the only drawback to doing it for me. I don't think. If I'm going to go through all that trouble of setting up, you know, the tent or the, sorry, the, uh, the, the, the forks with underneath the gunnels and tying it to one side and putting the paddles out and two more fork sticks to hold the paddles up and branch that, that I might have, it would have been faster just to set up the tarp yeah, or the uh, tent. Yeah. You know, than exactly, all that. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, now there are people I've seen that they've face the tarp straight up. What do you mean straight up? Like at an angle up. Okay. So you could stand up, you can sit up, everything. Yeah. Well, what happens if that wind and rain's blowing? You're getting absolutely soaked. Yeah, but you know, it's also pretty rare to, well, it depends on the size of the tarp. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The ones I've seen are pretty, it was just like a nine by nine. Yeah. Blue poly tarp. So you got that sticking up. Yep. Yeah, that rain's mm-hmm. coming in. You're getting soaked. Yeah. I think I'll sleep, stick with a, <laughs> with a tent at that point. Yeah. So you're looking at a bigger one that you can walk around in, eh? No, no, no. Just uh, a regular one, but that fits two people okay. instead of just one. Because me and me and Siobhan had just bought one last year. Mm-hmm. Growing family, you're starting to go with the kids. So we, uh, we got... Eureka Terran Six. It's a it's a family tent, six oh, person. Oh yeah, we don't need a sixer. Yeah, what? Well, we two kids, and yeah. we decided we wanted to be able to stand up, so you can stand up and walk around in this thing, right? Yeah. So, and that's a big difference from any tent I've had previously. You could you, the only way you could be upright is on your knees, type thing, and without hitting your head on the roof of the tent. When our kids were small, we had one of the big tents where we could stand yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah, we took that up to like Silent Lake and Algonquin and all that yeah. before we decided to go to the the pop up trailer yeah. route. Um, yeah, yeah, that's really good. But you were looking at the, the Terran thing. I think, uh. You're looking at the Terran three. I got the Terran six. I think, uh, the Terran three is what Marcus and I took up to Woodland Caribou. Oh yeah? Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was, that was plenty. That was plenty. I mean, Marcus and I are big boys, right? And, uh, yeah, that was, that had plenty of room for the two of us. Yeah. In it. So it was very comfortable. So, uh, yeah, we sat up, uh playing cards or something the one and eating pistachios because it was a just thunder and lightning storm um but yeah we're looking at something like that and uh yeah but getting back to the tarp thing i think if i'm going to be not setting up a tent i'm not setting up a tarp (laughs) i'm just going to sleep on the ground or something under a tarp Mm -hmm. that i'll be setting up over the fire pit yeah right i'm not going to be using the canoe and all that sort of stuff what what are what do they call like a sleeping bag that is a tent it's just a, so you, the, the sleep bag tents over your head. So when you close it up, it's a, it's just this solo. Something bag. Bivy bag. Bivy bag. Bivy sack. Bivy sack. Bivy sack. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an option too, right? Yeah. Because then you have, when you close up your sleeping bag, this, the only thing that's, it's like a waterproof bivy sack and it's like sleeping in just a sleeping bag, but you have a either mesh or waterproof clear plastic above your above face. Above it. Yeah. And so there you go. It's uh, you're talking. You can't put your backpack or anything in it out of the shelter. But oh, it doesn't matter. Me still tarp it or whatever. I mean, right now my saw so, my uh, Spitfire Solo. There's enough room for me. Yeah. And there's a next enough room at my head for um, tomorrow's clothes, sort <laughs> of thing, right? That's like, tight, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So whatever I'm going to change into in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> that's what's there. <laughs> that's, that's it. Is yeah. it a hoodie or whatever's my pillow and. That's all that fits in that. What I find interesting looking at Eureka's tents now is uh, I've noticed over the last couple of years, like, you know, like five, ten years ago, Eureka wasn't that well known for their tents. They mm-hmm. were leaky. They weren't very good. They've really changed changed up their lineup of tents. They're, they've got some really neat hammocks and tent hammocks and stuff. Their their materials for their tents is a lot more. Like, I, I'm, it's, I, I found it's a big improvement over previous quality. I think they had to. 
I think they were well, getting to too many complaints. Yeah. 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 Either get with it or, or yeah. dump it. You know, and I, I think they they really got with it. And yeah. It's, like I say, I've I've narrowed it down to those three. Yeah. Um, there are some other tents out there that I would love to have, but I'm not paying seven hundred dollars for yes, yeah, a, a four season tent. You know, like the most I need is a three season tent. Yeah, exactly. That like, four season, I'm hot tenting it. <laughs> <laughs> Forget that cold tent thing. I have cold tented. Have you cold tented? Yeah. Yeah. Like I say, forget that. <laughs> <laughs> Been there, done that. Been there, done that a couple of times. Just not looking forward to doing it again. Yeah. So, <laughs> ah, well. Anyway, let's take a quick break here and uh, we'll come back and talk. Uh, what are we going to talk about? Oh, we're going to talk about a new sport that I found. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this one's good. How exciting is it's that? It's like a cross between basketball, polo, and smash up derby. Yeah. And it is brutal. I tell you that one guy got smacked and he's just laying there Knocked unconscious. Yeah. <laughs> 10 seconds in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going to like this one. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. And enjoy the great outdoors. Welcome back. Um, as we said before we went to a break there, there is a game that I came across. And when you first showed me, I didn't believe it. <laughs> Even after I saw it. <laughs> um, when I was researching this game afterwards, one of the comments I came across, this is the only type of paddling where you're likely to see intentional contact. And boy, do you ever. And boy, do you <laughs> ever. We are talking canoe polo, uh, which isn't actually canoes. They're they're small kayaks. Yeah. Uh, I guess back in the day, the, the canoe and the kayak were... Well, they called them canoes. Were, yeah, they were called canoes over And the actual canoe in, was in, called a Canadian, and this is called the canoe. The kayakers yeah. are called canoes. So um, two teams, five players on a rectangular playing pitch... Uh, which can be open water or swimming pool. And it's funny, because this has such a history in England and Great Britain, um, there's actually, some of the words they use are related to, like, a field game. Yes. You know, like, they're talking about the pitch and stuff like that, which to me is like, you know, like a a soccer field. Yeah. Um, So, matches are played over two halves, 10 minutes per half, and the aim is to score a goal uh, in a net that is hung above the water at each end of the pitch. Yeah. The ball is the same type that is used in water polo and can be tr- controlled with the hand or the paddle. Okay. Uh, if the match ends in a tie, then the golden goal overtime takes place. So first goal da, wins. Da, da, it's the golden goal. Yeah. First next team to score wins. Yeah. So sudden death overtime. Um teams jockey for position, passing, blocking the ball with the, the hands, the 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 paddles, effort to score on the other team's net. Nets are suspended two meters in the air at opposing ends of the court pitch. Um while the sport is a bit aggressive, well, like I say, we saw these two guys just come racing towards each other. And it's all who's getting that ball first. Yeah. And when you got these two pointy canoes the flying each other. The inertia of the canoes. And yeah, they yeah, get cuts. moving. Yeah. And all of a sudden, one just spears the other guy. Now, they've got a lot of protection. They've got protection. Chest protection, face protection. They've got 
Well, but it snapped I didn't this see guy's face protection. Oh yeah, they got cages. Do they? Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> just like uh, some of the the cricket players wear. Oh okay. Like those yeah. thin cage sort of thing. Because the but way he got that that the, the front end of that opposing team's kayak right in the, right the, in the chest f- yeah. and knocked his head straight back and he's just laying there. When I went through some of the videos, it was like, when <laughs> you get a kayak to the face, <laughs> it doesn't matter if you have a helmet with a, with a, with a face mask on it. Yeah. Man, that's going to hurt. But I mean, some of these guys, if you watch the video, Google canoe polo and just start watching the videos, um, the strategies these guys use to get position, first possession yeah. of the ball is like, they'll race for it and they'll just grab it and roll. Yeah. Or they'll roll over the other guy's canoe, grabbing the ball yeah. mid roll. It's, and it's like, oh my God. It's very aggressive. <laughs> However, while the sport is a bit aggressive, clear rules and a sense of sportsmanship among players <laughs> keeps the game under control. Didn't look under control. Yeah, to me. it didn't look like under control. What? Like guys are gonna get out and fight? Like <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna step out of their canoe yeah. and have a little fist across yeah. right in the water? Like <laughs> Is there rules for that? Um so yeah, it was really, really <clears throat> aggressive. I, I don't think I'll be playing it, that's for sure. But I guess back in the day, uh when just the research I did, it was more relaxed game. It wasn't aggressive and as fast as it is today. And once you add that speed into it, yes, it changes the game totally. You know, it seems with, uh, I think it's the prevalence of, of the way things are done on TV nowadays, but man, they just, every, every sport or whatever, like they seem to want to amp it up into some weird death-defying... Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it was back in the day, remember Running Man with Schwarzenegger, the, yes. the movie? I just thought, man, that's crazy. That'll never happen. I think yeah, we're almost. You're closer than you we're think, getting buddy. pretty close Death to Death Race uh, 2000. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are, 2017. <laughs> we're getting closer. We're getting closer. You get to get out of jail if you win, win and kill so all many. the other opponents. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so basically, you got a ref on the side of the pool, and he throws the ball in, and one player from each team race to the ball. Now you've got your team lined up on your, your goal line yes. in a row. So it's not necessarily in the middle that he's going to throw it. He could throw it to the far side, which means the guys at the far end have to get it. It's just random. Yeah. yeah. So it's not just random. So you don't know chooses. who's going to. Yeah. There's not a, there's not a drop spot like in hockey. Or yeah. Anything. It's just along the line as you go yeah. out. Right. Um, so yeah, so one each, one player from each team charges for the ball that the referee throws into play. Players cannot paddle with the ball. So if you watch them and you can pick this out pretty fast, um, whoever's got the ball, they cannot be paddling. They're, they're sitting motionless. So face like basketball. So no, they throw no dribbling. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, their dribbling is actually, they throw it ahead of themselves and paddle to it, grab it, throw okay. it ahead of themselves, paddle but while you throw it to yourself, somebody else is trying to get it before you do. Yeah. Right? And the closer you get to the other team's net, everybody closes it. It's just like a hockey game. The closer everybody gets to the goalie, your defense collapses. You don't want to be on your the Your forwards that are in there, right? <laughs> so everybody gets closer and closer. Right in. So picture <laughs> like 10 kayaks All piled, stacked up in stacked the water. up trying to... Wow. Not, yeah. You don't want to be in the your bottom. Paddles, of- <laughs> your paddles are flying because you're allowed to use a paddle to block. Your hands are flying. Yeah. The canoes are twisted. The kayaks are twisting and turning. People are rolling. You P- don't want to be in the bottom of that scrum. Remember our show a few years, uh, uh, was that last month? The perils of paddling? Yes. So many ways to <laughs> die. die. <laughs> well, I think we found another one. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> A uh, paddle can be used to block a shot or pass, but cannot be used to bat the ball in another direction. Okay, that's fair. So if if it's being thrown at the it, net, you can block. Yeah. If somebody's passing it to somebody, you can block. Yeah. But you can't... It's not hockey. You, you can't use it like a bat to bat yeah. it to one of your own team players. Um, strategy, teamwork, boat skills are key to gaining a position for a clear shot on goal and for keeping opponents from scoring on your net. Hmm. Huh. 
The game is played in a kayak that are a maximum three meters long, have bumpers on the front and back. A spray skirt keeps the player in the boat when they roll. Helmets, face masks, and protective life jackets are important safety equipment. Okay, I call a bit of BS on the bumpers on the front and the back. I didn't because see bumpers. I didn't see bumpers, and even if they did, no one was hitting front and back. They were hitting sides. Yeah. They were hitting players. They were. <laughs> I doubt there was any scratches on the front and the backs. <laughs> I call BS on that one. There's teeth embedded in the nose of that kayak. Um, canoe polo was actually looked after by the International Canoe Federation, which you can go to uh, canoeicf.com. Uh, look under their disciplines and you'll find everything about canoe polo. Uh, but uh, just a little bit of uh, history on it. Um, so this surprised me when I read this part. Yeah, the, the, the canoe ball games have been played in Great Britain since the late 19th century. So, I mean, that's quite a while ago. Yeah, you, they're talking like their uh, polo matches were, there were canoe, canoe polo matches like 1875. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> early forms of canoe polo played in the United States and parts of Europe into the first half of the 20th century. Yeah. Right. So into, into the first half of the 19, 1900s, national championships first held in England in 1971. So for as long as it's been played, it took an awful long time for them to actually put a thing well, together. Yeah. It, it, uh, so they, they did it for fun. There's no serious competition until the seventies. Yeah. The 1970s. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't until 1986 that in the International Canoe Federation published its first set of universal playing rules. Oh, really? That's a long time. It's funny that they would sit on the back burner for that long. Mm-hmm. I think people just played it with whatever they did, and they said, finally, people are starting to pick it up. Other yeah. countries are starting to pick it up. Yeah. Maybe we had to sit down some rules just in case, and I guess they did. But I guess also the fact that the, like paddling as a sport, like canoeing and kayaking, didn't really come into its own until what, after the 50s? Yeah, I mean, people did it like in the early 1900s and stuff as but a it was work. getaway, but it was it was work or... Um, like we talked about the, on the St. Lawrence River in Quebec and, and so they, they had that canoe race over the ice because that's yeah. how they used to transport people and goods. The mail and stuff and like so that. And yeah. so, you know, in the, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, it started becoming a little bit more, maybe a sport. And so it's, I think it's just the, uh, the time, it, like back in the day there, there wasn't that much, people didn't have free time. No, and no. now and more leisure time. Modern modernism happens and technology and stuff. People just have more leisure time now, and yeah. so so with that leisure time, you come. You know, the more leisure time you have, the more aggressive the sport. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> apparently, we've got all this free time. Let's go out and see if we can kill ourselves <laughs> on the water. <laughs> so if I can't impale you with my kayak or my paddle, yeah. you'll drown. <laughs> sounds like fun let's go um so yeah in 1986 they came up with the rules and in 1990 they finalized their international rules so that was like four years before they finally actually finalized it yep these are them live or die by them yeah right first world championships in canoe polo took place in sheffield england 1994 yeah sponsored by red bull yeah <laughs> i'm wondering Consisted of 18 men's teams, six women's teams. Australia beat Germany in the final of both genders. Huh. Australia is like a powerhouse uh, when all this started. Um, the championships, the, the world championships held every two years. And the 2016 edition in Syracuse, Italy had 24 men's teams, 20 women's teams, as well as under 21 events for both genders. So it's really picking up. It yeah. really is. Um, and in, well, I'll get to the, I might as well just say this one now. The Canoe Polo National Championships are being held in Sudbury, uh, July 8th and 9th, 2017. Okay. Right, so that'd be the Canadian National yep. Championships. The Welland, uh, what is it? The Welland Flatwater Canoe Center. Yeah, well, Welland, that's, that's the where Welland, they have the fast water in the pool. In and, pool training, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Welland International Flatwater Center, August 2018, will be hosting the 2018 
ICF Canoe Polo Water Champ or World Championships. Yeah. So the World Championships are actually coming to Welland in 2018. Huh. That's huge. Uh, five day event take place um, and is expected to track over 30 countries from around the world with approximately 60 teams competing in four divisions. Mm-hmm. Wow. 60 teams. That's getting pretty big. Yeah. That's a lot. 30 countries. Canada currently has four national teams and a senior men's team. Uh, the senior men's team placed sixth in the last World Games. Huh. Impressive. Yeah, it is. For not hearing much about it. I know. And th- that's what I found su- surprising is is when you discovered this and you, you said, watch this video. And I watched it. And, and it, it for, as far as I was concerned, this is just some brand spanking new Red Bull thing that was coming out, right? I had no idea that it's over a hundred, the sport was over a hundred years old. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. I, th- I thought it was something new. Like, uh, what's that one where they go on the skates down the hills? Crashed ice. Crash, yeah, crash, crash ice, crash ice, crash, crash ice. Yeah. Crashed ice. And that, that started in Quebec. Yeah. I figured it was Heavily's, just something like yeah. that, right? Heavily but no, this has been, yeah, this has been going on for, for quite the number of yeah. years. Uh, but it's becoming more popular now. But and, and, and I'm, I'm forming a, an opinion on stuff like this. Like when you talk about these new emerging action sports and, and you know, the crash dice, the, this uh, kayak canoe wa- water polo and, you know, all these things, I, th- I think everything, it's like we're building this perfect storm where all these things are becoming more and more like we've got, uh, you've got a, you've got a combination of, uh, Red Bull, you know, so Red Bull is sponsoring all these things mm-hmm. and everybody's throwing GoPros on their heads and, and everybody's watching these videos on YouTube and everybody's got all this spare time. And, and, you know, it's, I think it's that it, it's, everything is combining together because I, you know, I, I, I grew, you know, my formative years were in the eighties, you know, I was born in the sixties, formative years was in the eighties and none of this stuff, you didn't see a lot of this stuff, No, but in, since, uh, since 2000, you've seen like what GoPro came out in what 2005 2006 or something I don't know like yeah like the, the so and now there's every you have all these competing companies with these action cameras as they call yep. them so you've got this movement and it becomes legitimized when you have like a Red Bull sponsor and so Red Bull has teams like if there's any action sport that's exciting and dangerous then Red Bull's going to sponsor it yep Right. So, and the adrenaline as, junkies. Yeah. So, as soon as you start sponsoring these action sports, then you you legitimize it and then everybody wants to participate. Yeah. And, and so, and we're also heading towards, um, it's, you know, we talked about this a previous show how trips used to be nine plus days and now we're getting to long weekends and, and soon it's going to be short weekend trips for whatever. So, and I think that's where, People are saying that uh, attention spans are shortening. Uh, people are looking for more and more dangerous stuff to do, like these flying squirrel uh, skydiving suits. Like you know, oh, and, yeah, and they yeah. skim the mountain cliffs. Yeah, and it's. I I'm not. I'm I by far by any means. I'm not making fun of any of these sports. I'm just saying like everybody's going for one more notch up in the level of danger and whatever. And and uh, the people quick, are the quick high. The quick high, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Um, but you know what? And when you're looking at it, this sort of thing replaces, you know, people going to the gym to play volleyball. Yeah. Well, let's get on the water and play polo. Yeah. We're not going to go, I want to go paddling, but I'm not going paddling for three days. I'm going to go and go, go paddling and go have some, yeah. have a, play a game. We have a pool session. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I went paddling, but no, not really. Yeah. But, you know, like. So you get your water fix in like January because you go to the local pool and. And play a couple of matches little, and yeah. in a tournament or some, a local tournament <laughs> or something. Yeah. Right. So I think that sort of fits into it. Um, canoe polo lingo. <laughs> they have their own lingo. They of have course their they own do. Lingo. They've been around forever. Yeah. Uh, bumpers. Cushioning on the front and back of a polo boat to absorb the impact of a collision, which I already call, called BS on, because I didn't see any. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, dribble. Not quite like basketball, but similar in the fact that the player cannot carry the ball, so dribbles it down the court by continually throwing it in front of them and paddling, and up, paddling to up to it. it. Passing cool. the ball to a teammate is a more common way to move the ball. 
Hmm. Now, some of the videos we saw, you, you had the guys, there was one guy right in the middle facing the net and two guys off to the side, just like basketball. And they're tossing that ball back and forth, waiting for an opening. Yep. And then all of a sudden somebody takes a shot and then a paddle comes flying up and blocks it. Yeah. Right? Green, yellow, or red card. <laughs> That's like soccer. Uh, you know what? And that's exactly what it is. The green card is a warning. Yellow card signals a two-minute penalty. The red card, and you're out of there. <laughs> you're done for the game, Everybody buddy. out of the pool. Hand roll. Rolling the kayak without use of a paddle. Hand rolls are used if the player drops the paddle or sometimes in pursuit of grabbing the ball. And that's what I was talking about when I saw them racing towards each other to grab the ball. And one of the guys would just drop his paddle grab the ball and roll and roll with the ball yeah so yeah. he would roll so the guy could not grab that ball out of his hands yeah because now he's upside down underwater with the ball yeah right and so he sort of backs off <laughs> dude flips back up finds one of his players and tosses it to him yeah picks up his paddle and off he goes hand tackle a move to push the player with the ball this may cause the player to roll over into the water Hand tackles are legal only against a player in possession of the ball. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Jostle. A player on the offensive maneuvering their kayak against an opponent's to gain an advantage near the goal zone. Jostling is illegal in certain circumstances, such as when the player is stationary or behind the goal line. Oh, okay. Uh, roll. The skill of flipping the overturned boat back upright while staying in the boat using the paddle and lower body. And the throw-in. The process of returning the ball to play after it has gone out of bounds. Oh, okay, yeah. So right? somebody in the crowd throws it in. Or the, the ref. Yeah. Um, or just like like you say in soccer, right? Where somebody throws it in. Yeah, but I don't think it's going to be anybody in a kayak. No, they go to the side. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't see any throw-ins. Yeah. The only person I saw throw it in was the ref. Yeah. So that would be my thing is maybe they throw it in all the time. Yeah. But yeah, there's their, there's your little, um, your uh, terminology, your lingo for canoe polo. Uh, it's really, it's, <laughs> I, I'm almost willing to just go to, when I say that was Sudbury is the, in August this year? Yeah. No, sorry. Oh, July. Oh, uh, okay, I mean, yeah. 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 Missed it. Um, no, this weekend. This coming weekend. Yes. Uh, in Sudbury. Yeah. I don't know. That, that'd be cool to see that sort of thing. Yeah. Maybe even check out the ones next year, the World Championships in, in, in Welland. Welland. Yeah. Go down for that. That's going to be a huge one. Yeah. But uh, yeah, even some of the videos we were watching, like the crowds at the side with their noisemakers and, and yeah. everything else are, is just phenomenal. You know, uh, it's it's definitely something to see, especially if you like I say, just for the aggressiveness. Yeah, the and shock seeing all value. these the shock value, but all these kayaks just cramming into each other, <laughs> especially when somebody's going trying to go for a shot, and you got ten of them right piled on top of each other like yeah. a smash up derby. Yeah, uh, definitely something to see. You could, I could, those are one of those uh, videos you could sit watching all day. <laughs> just uh, watching. Yeah. Look at him go, look at him smash, crash, all bang. That, ooh, ah. You know? Oh, he's hauled out on a stretcher. You wouldn't need a stretcher. You just haul him out in their canoe, or their yeah. kayak. Just, yeah. Somebody grabs one end, someone grabs the other. He slumped over the front. So just, just haul him out. I mean, you throw him in the back of the... Back of the ambulance and You'd off you go. You'd have to be some fit, eh? That be looked like it'd be yeah. an exhausting sport. Oh, the the upper body strength's yep. just going nonstop. Because um, like I say, when they throw that ball in, those two guys got to go for it. Yes. They pick up that speed pretty fast. And and they just crash full force into each other. Like, <laughs> Yeah, they were, they were not holding back. No, they so were So them saying, you know, like um, that the, the good sportsmanship keeps it in control. I, I didn't see any good sportsmanship. I didn't see any good sportsmanship there. <laughs> That's like somebody trying to kill somebody else and somebody else trying to drown somebody else. Really interesting to watch. Yes. So, uh, like I say, um, canoeicf.com. You can find all the information you want, all the places that they're they're holding these uh, things. And Google Canoe Polo and watch some of the videos. You'll be watching a lot of videos, let me tell you. And it is it is something to see. Um, well, let's take a quick break here and, uh, cause that's almost the end of our show here. We'll be right back. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. 
Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. And enjoy the great outdoors. Well, Derek, that's the end of our show here. Uh, just top off here, the, the canoe and tarp thing. I think that's probably going to be a no-go. Well, for me, it would be a no-go simply just because of the bugs. The bugs, the rain, and the it's it's just as easy to set up a, set up yeah. a tent or it, just sleep with nothing. It, it would work for some people, yeah. obviously, right? Just not. It's not my bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the canoe polo, I definitely think we need to make a point of checking something like that out at some point yes but watching and not participating yeah i'm not gonna participate no <laughs> sir no sir i don't want to be impaled by a kayak exactly <laughs> well uh that brings us to the end here if you want to find out more about us you can check us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter and you can find past episodes on uh, itunes google play and on our episode page on uh, paddling adventures radio Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. <laughs>